Amen. Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that we would see the love in your eyes and it would bring tears of joy to our eyes. Real tears of real joy. That's what you're about, Jesus. And I know they're here people that, that, that don't know you or just don't know you in that way. And I would pray the power of the Holy Spirit would overwhelm this place that we could be your children all, but also your ambassadors in the city and in the world because there are others and you call us to love them. May we do so. May we follow you, Jesus, because you love us so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. I thank our worship team for pointing us to the love of God in Jesus Christ. Uh, you could open your Bibles. Uh, our first couple verses can be in Jeremiah 29. Uh, we're going to look at three short passages. Jeremiah 29, 1 Timothy 2, and Hebrews 13. Uh, but uh, as, we, um, as we get underway, we are starting uh, this new year in a series on prayer. And let me be clear, this is not a how to pray series. It is what to pray for series. But to be clear, I believe the what to pray for leads us to how to pray. Uh, Because prayer is simply talking to God. Anytime, preferably all the time. I'm not there yet, but talk to God. You know, in your language. But what we miss out on, I believe, is what to pray for, because often our prayers are just our personal needs. Uh, A loved one is sick, we're sick, we're struggling, we're going bankrupt, we're going through a divorce, then then we hit it hard, the prayer life. Uh, But there are many other things, frankly, more important things, more important things in my life, that we should be praying for. Next week, we're going to be talking about prayers for salvation. I mean, that people are really saved. Week after that, we're going to pray for this church, this specific church. Week after that, we'll close with churches, church plants around the world. Today, we're praying for our city. So whether you live Madison, Rankin, Jackson, wherever, metro area, our place, our locality. And, you know, I could say a lot of things like we need to pray for this city. And we do. But I want to, and this ties in the video that we saw, I want to tie how praying for the city connects and reflects the gospel. Because you could leave here and be like, oh yeah, i got to pray for Jackson. Well, you know, kind of know that. You know, watch the news. Amen? Amen? Amen. Um, I don't want you leaving here thinking that. I want you to leave here thinking... Why do I not really pray for this city? As in, like, what, am I really following Jesus? Or maybe, am I really saved? So we're going to get into the gospel and how that connects to praying for the city. Now, I could say a lot of reasons why, and, and you've heard these, or they sound similar. You know, about a year ago, it was a year January, sometime, uh, someone... Um, Messed up our, our pretty church wall out here. Anybody remember that? If you do, say amen. Amen, amen. you remember that? So vandalized or whatever. And I think they said, you are the God. And, you know, it caused a lot of commotion for a day. I mean, I guess we were news for a day, 24 hours and news crews here. And I remember them asking me, like, you know, are you, 
real upset. And I was like, man, I mean, I mean, come on. We had a, uh, that very week, a lady was shot who died in Bellhaven. I mean, we can paint over this. I was, I'm glad we painted it white, right, Marty? I mean, if it was just the brick, you know, then it'd be a little, little tougher. I might be more upset. But I was like, you know, a lady was shot, died. Um, they're like, what do you do, you know, if you were talking to this guy? I'd invite him to church, you know? I mean, we're called to minister to this city. I could say that. Uh, my wife has befriended a, uh, a young lady who's really called to downtown Jackson uh, to live amongst poorest of the poor. She had been mentoring a young um, young black boy who came out to go to school one morning and was shot in the leg. I mean, I could say that. I, I am saying that. And the thing is, he's recovering, but he's not speaking. He's not talking. Um, unfortunately, that is, uh, you know, that's all too common in our locality. Uh, I mean, I could say there are severe, and these are my words, and I'll probably get in trouble for this, or you'll debate me or this, or like, why are you saying that? Or, I mean, there's severe issues of race still in our context. And, you know, the Bible is very clear that we're united in Christ, not on nationality or skin color or language, that it is Jesus that shapes us. But there's still these severe issues. I mean, it's MLK weekend. You know, a man who, I didn't know this till this weekend, I was reading a, a devotion in a newspaper up in North Mississippi where I was hunting, but that he always called himself a gospel man, uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King. I never knew that. He called himself a gospel man. I've already talked about the gospel in this service, and I will again. And he did much, but there, there's still these severe issues of race, and we see him here. So I can say all that, and those are like needs that we know. I would rather say uh, some other things. And one is a story that Tim Keller whom I like and admire a lot. He pastors a church in, in New York City, and he's always getting his congregation to pray for that city, be for that city, New York. An example he gave is that the early church, so a couple hundred years after Jesus rose again, uh, it would start churches in cities. And it was very strategic. The cities were the melting pots. They were the places of growth. So Christians would start, would plant churches in these cities, Rome, Ephesus, Philippi, other places, and they would grow, and then they would minister to the cities. And one specific way that Christianity just blew up across the Mediterranean, and it was supernatural, but plagues started hitting these cities around the Mediterranean. Plagues as in like people dying in mass ways. And the Christians, the churches, as everyone else fled into the country, They stayed in the city uh, to minister, uh, to care for the sick and the dying. I've told this story before. I'll probably tell it again years and years from now. They stayed. And I could just imagine these people saying, why did you stay? Some of them stayed, and it cost them their life. Uh, But they were loving at the places where God had landed them, loving to the very end. You're like, how can you do that? Look to Jesus. What did he give? His life. Now you're saying, are you calling me to do something crazy and radical? Well, yeah. Yeah. I am. Every Sunday. Are you calling me to, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But we have a history 
of Christians who do give and give and give to the utmost to their cities, to those who don't know Christ, so that they can see something different. We're going to read about this in, in the Bible. So, I would say that I want us to see praying for the city leads to action. And I, I believe that. Prayer leads to action. Action leads to prayer. Prayer, when you pray, God puts it on you to do something, to speak into someone's life. And as you do that, you come back to the Lord and pray. Prayer leads to action. Action leads to prayer. So I want to see three things about praying for this city, Metro Jackson, tied to the Bible, tied to the gospel. One, how praying for the city, loving on the city, blesses us. Two, how praying for the city, loving on the city, leads people to Christ. And third, and most importantly, how praying for the city, loving for the city, actually reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ in its fullness. So, look at Jeremiah 29 and how praying for the city blesses us, you. Because it is a sacrifice to pray, to, to love on folks that are like the other person. Jeremiah 29, it's a famous chapter. It has a famous verse. I'm not going to read that verse. Uh, many of you love it. I love it. It's verse 11. Uh, but I'm going to read verse 4 through 7. Jeremiah 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Seek the welfare of the city, again, verse 7, where I've sent you in exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. A couple things that I would say. First, a little setting of the scene, the context. These are God's people before Christ. Christ hasn't come yet, but these are God's people, and they have been captured, kidnapped, and ended up in Babylon, which uh, to them is like a hell on earth, because it is ungodly, uh, so they would consider themselves exiles. So they are exiled from their home, and they're living in this foreign place that they don't think is, like, nice, you know? I mean, I guess if some of us were to go to a foreign place, there's some place where we're like, you know, that's, that's nice. I don't know, some of you might think Paris or, or London or Sydney, Australia. I mean, not everybody says, you know... I mean, we've been to India. India's not nice. No offense. We're not trying to build a mission trip. But there are places that aren't nice. And so these are Christians that I would call before Christ. God's people. Not Christians yet, but like God's people like us, okay? And God says, pray for the city. In its welfare, you will find your welfare. I believe that we today, as Christians are like God's people then. We're in exile. First, if you're a Christian, you're a citizen of heaven, not earth. You're a new citizen. But also, 
And I've preached on this before and we'll preach on it again. I mean, this is not a Christian nation. I mean, really, it never has been a Christian nation, if you know your history. But we're like, we've been tied to some Judeo-Christian values and no more. I mean, we're still buckle the Bible belt, so we will be the last hurrah. But it is moving where the values of Christianity are not tied to the culture that we live in. So we're going to be more and more exiles. A guy I like a lot, uh, I read a lot, his name's Russell Moore. I like him because he's a Mississippian, which I like. But he's also president of the Center for Ethics and Religious Liberty of the Southern Baptist Convention. Russell Moore, look him up. But he has this uh, great quote. He said, we can be Americans best if we are not Americans first. I love that. As in like we're Christian first. And here though, we can learn from God is telling them, and I believe he's telling us, you are in exile, but you're called to bless this city. You're called to bless this nation. You're called to stand apart. You're called to be different. You're called that people would see something different in you. And as we pray for and love on and bless, we will be blessed too. I believe we're trying to do that as a church here. It's not easy to love on, to pray for, to bless this city. Uh, a great example, a couple months ago, we, uh, we do these bellwether breakfasts. Anybody love the bellwether breakfast? Say amen. 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 Love those bellwether breakfasts. And last October we did one, and we wanted to make it an outreach opportunity where we invited uh, a lot of policemen and firefighters here for breakfast. Now, I think a lot of folks said, yeah, I mean, it's a nice invitation. Uh, but, you know, probably none of them will show up. You know, I mean, you might have thought that. Uh, you know, I mean, I didn't know if anybody would show up. We didn't invite them, but we didn't know if they'd show up. Well, they did. A lot of police officers, a lot of firefighters showed up. We treated them to breakfast. And, uh, and one of them, and I've asked him if he could tell his story, and he said, yeah, I don't know if he's here or not. But one of them, his name is Padre, began coming to church over the fall. Uh, and over Christmas and, and now. And, you know, he, he said this, and I think it's a great quote, and I think, I mean, I'm learning from it. He said, you know, really love it here, and never thought I'd come to church here. He said, you know, drive by, pretty white church, I'm a black firefighter. I mean, pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's not a race thing, it's a reality thing. But yet we invited, and then he went to say, you know, I came back because, he said, the firefighters just thought, you know, we'd show up and they'd get their picture and, you know, do their good deed for the year or the month or whatever and, you know, kind of use us for that. But he did say to our congregation, I mean, that they were so welcoming and loving, you know, and, and some's legit and some's fake. I mean, as always, all right? I mean, it is. amen? Yes. But so welcoming that he began to come. And then, and this is what I love, um, and Jennifer doesn't know I'm going to say this. Jennifer Morgan, who's a member of the church, serves our church family ministry. So her parents, who sit in the back, love y'all. They, oh, and there's Padre. Hey, brother. So they, uh, you are here, okay. They invited Padre to their home for dinner, okay. And a relationship began, okay, that is growing and continues to grow. I love, I love that story, y'all. Thank you. I mean, you know, highlight Jennifer Morgan's parents today and Padre, but God love you. And 
Padre share, man, you know, to have them, you know, take me into their home. That's what, that's what I want to do. That's what I want this church to do. And I don't have to tell that story. I just want it to just be happening over and over. But it doesn't happen all the time. So we do need to highlight stories like that. And so Padre was blessed. The Fortner family was blessed. I was blessed. I hope you were blessed in hearing that story. As we reach out and love on and pray for people and the city, we will be blessed. Now, you've heard about Rise with God as a theme last year and this year. That is internal. That is growing together in God's word. Externally, you're going to hear more about this. A theme is love our neighbor or love your neighbor. Like your literal neighbor. And everything that we do, a bellwether breakfast, a Valentine's Day dance, is going to be tied to love your neighbor that we do pray for and love on the people of this city, the people who don't have a church. And the MO is not to get them to church. It's just to be the church here in our city. So it blesses us. Secondly, praying for our city, loving on our city leads people to Christ. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. So go from Old Testament towards the back of your Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says here, I'm just going to read the verses, verse 1 through 4. Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the Lord, says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. I want to show you a connection in these couple verses. He says, pray for those that are in high positions. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our elected officials. But then it says that we can lead a peaceful life, godly and dignified, and this is good in the sight of God who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. As in like, I want everyone to be led to Christ, to see Christ. And as you pray for leaders and you pray for the city, people are going to see you and us and your prayers and your actions will impact people so that they say, something's different about them. Something's, something's different. They're not just going around, running around saying Jackson sucks. They're like praying for the city. They're, they're loving on the city. What do they have? Jesus. I want to read to you a uh, part of a letter that was written hundreds of years ago, around 200 A.D. Some of you may have heard it before. Most of you probably not. It is famous. You could Google it. It's called The Letter to Diognetus, if I'm pronouncing that right. It was written written by a non-Christian observing Christians then about how they were different. And how this person liked what he saw. 200 A.D., so the church is beginning to grow. 
Listen to what it says about Christians. And I would ask you, if you call yourself Christian, ask yourself, is this my life? He writes, Christians are indistinguishable from other people, either by nationality, race, or customs. And yet there is something extraordinary about their lives. They live in their own countries as if they were passing through. Any country can be their home. But for them, their home, wherever it may be, is a foreign country. Like others, they marry and have children, yet they do not expose them. They share their meals as often as they can. They never share their beds. They live in the flesh, but are not governed by the desires of the flesh. They live on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They live in poverty, but yet enrich many. They are totally destitute, yet they have everything. Christians are found in all the cities of the world, yet cannot be identified with the world. Christians live for a time amidst perishable things while awaiting the freedom from change and decay that will be theirs in heaven. If you want a copy of this, I can email it to you. I love this, but I'm going to ask, I mean, is that you? We, us in the Bible Belt, who like, you know, throw, throw the Jesus card, and I do, you know, as often as we can. Is that, is that you? See, I believe as we pray for, as we live as citizens of heaven while on earth, people do say, what do they have? And I'm not talking about a church that's blowing and going. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about as you work, as you go, in your relationships, and they, they see something different. Do people see something different in you? If they do not, do you have Christ? Because Christ, I believe, brings tears of joy uh, and love, not of this world, and peace amidst trials and suffering. There should be something different about us that cities see and people are drawn to Christ. Me too, but you too as well. And it convicts me. So the third and last thing, loving and praying for a city blesses us. It should lead others to Christ. And it reflects the gospel. And this is some of you who are like, I don't know. I mean, the first thing I can give, this other one, I mean, the gospel. I mean, Jesus saved, but then pray for the city. You know, you should. So I really want you to see this. It was one of the reasons I showed that video, that just praying for, loving on a city really reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ found in the Bible. Turn to Hebrews. It's a couple pages over from 1 Timothy. Hebrews chapter 13. So last chapter. It's what Jesus has done for us as people who are made in the image of God, but broken sinners lost without Christ. Hebrews 13, I'm just going to read a few verses. Verse 11 through 16. Some of them should be up on the screen. I don't think all of these that I'm reading are. But Verse 11 says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. And this is the writer of Hebrews talking about those animals that were sacrificed for the sins of the people. And here he ties it to Jesus, what he's done for us. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. 
Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. When we pray for, when we love on our place where God has planted us, it shows people the gospel. It shows us the gospel. Because we know, or we should know, what has happened in Jesus Christ and hopefully to us. You're like, well, what has happened? We're creating God's image, but we are broken, fallen. I deserve death and hell. And the gospel is that if you do not have Jesus, you do too. And yet as we saw and as we read, the saving power of God is sending His own Son to be cast out of a city. And if you know where the cross was, it was outside Jerusalem. To bleed and die and pay the penalty for all of our sins. So, and I was talking to a brother who's going to get baptized next week. So we don't have to trust in our brokenness or in our failed attempts to be good or be nice. But we can turn and trust in Jesus and know that by His power He is restoring us and changing us instantaneously in a moment and then throughout our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And He is doing the same thing. Hear me. To this world. That's what the video is about as well. That's what the gospel is about. That's what the Bible is about. That in the death and resurrection of Jesus, God began to interlink, to connect heaven on earth. A man died. His cells stopped. I'm not a doctor. His blood stopped. I'm not a doctor. And then they flowed again. And it is supernatural. Heaven And earth began to be connected. And now, heaven and earth are being brought closer and closer together until the time when Jesus says, man, I'm coming back. And all of our tears will be wiped away. And all the pain and suffering will be over. And heaven and earth will be one. Amen indeed. That is the God. If if you don't know that, we want you to know it. That it is good News. It is good news. And so, what I would say is like, you know, if it's not just leave here and it's like, oh, we got to pray for the city. No, it's like, leave here and like, if I'm not really loving on my neighbor and praying for the city, why am I not? Do I really know all the power and the possibilities in Jesus Christ? Do I really know what he has done for me? Do I really know what he's done in this world? Do I really know him? As King of Kings, Lord and Lords. I always say this. You know, when I think about Jesus and pray Jesus and imagine Jesus, I, I really don't, I love the stained glass window, but I don't imagine him like that. Like Shepherd Jesus, you know, you know, kind of, you know, sandals, long hair, you know, all that Jesus. I imagine him with a sword. Because that's what, how he's described in Revelation. I imagine him in power. I imagine him in white. I imagine him in glory, in light. King of Kings, Lord of Lords, who he is. He saved you. And all of us get caught up 
in our woes, uh, be it marriage woes. We're not having woes, though. We love each other, right? Okay? <laughs> marriage woes or physical woes, you know, if we get hurt or if we're sick, if we're ill, financial woes, relationship woes, well, I don't have these folks as friends, or we get caught up in all of that, and we can live. When you know Jesus, you can say, and He has saved me, and He is doing work in your life, but also in this world. And He has us here, on this corner, in this city, no accident in Christianity, for a purpose to, to grow some heaven on earth. And you're like, well, how are you really doing that? Well, when people are saved, heaven grows on earth. Amen? When people are baptized, heaven grows on earth. Amen? When churches are planted, heaven grows on earth. So I get inspired when I see like all these church plants being planted around the world. When some folks would say, I would have one candle to burn in my life. I would rather burn out in a place of darkness than in innumerable lights. Amen? That there's courage in going because you know that God's already changing the world. You're just part of the story and the party. And we are. So God's planted us here. And we can show the gospel in our prayers, in our love, in our lives. And we could start today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your power. Thank you that it is not just individual, but it is global. And yet it is so individual that you call people to you to be used in mighty ways by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us know that you are here. And I pray for those who are dealing with the woes. And the devil is telling them, be down in your woes and don't know the power of Jesus. And I pray that people would know today that it is power and it is good and it is tears of joy. And that we would spread your gospel to neighbors and to a city and to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.